Hey, welcome back to another episode of Dear Baseball Gods. And I'm here with a great guest this week. I've got Rod Freeman, a.k.a. The Pitching Ninja, joining us to talk about his amazing following on Twitter, the gifts, the uh, pitch sequences, the pitch tunneling, the memes, the mental game stuff, all the cool content that he gives so willingly for free out on the Twitter sphere to coaches and players everywhere. So, you know, I know all of us, if you're involved in the baseball community on Twitter, on social media, you've seen his work. They're fascinating, and he likes to highlight all sort of like the filthiest pitches of the night. And uh, it's something that just kind of grabs all of our attention, I think, for 10, 15 seconds at a time. So I think it's going to be pretty interesting just to hear a little more of his story, how he's built this big following, his little scuffle with uh, Twitter and Major League Baseball earlier this year, and just, uh, you know, who he is as a person. So without further ado, listen to my great interview with Rob, terrific guy, Rob the Pitching Ninja Friedman. Hey Rob, thanks for coming on the show. How uh, how's everything down there in Georgia? Uh, everything's going well. It's a kind of hot day. So you, a uh, little bit of background about you. You uh, you live in Georgia. You have a law background. Um, you are the pitching ninja, <laughs> the, the world <laughs> famous. And uh, your son is just now entering uh, fall ball Georgia Tech. Is that correct? That is, that is correct. All of that's correct. Well, I usually try not to admit that I'm a lawyer because it scares people. Gotcha. Well, uh, so. Are you a reformed lawyer? Are you still lawyering, or how, how is lawyering going? I, I still, I mean, I, I still handle legal stuff to the extent it comes up, but I do more business stuff nowadays. Um, I haven't taught law back in the back in the day for a couple of years, which actually is useful um, in some weird way when it comes to uh, to pitching and explaining concepts, and for myself, understanding concepts and digging deeper. So, in a weird way. Having that legal background is useful, but yeah, it's overrated. <laughs> well, it's probably that um, that pragmatic kind of mindset that lawyers have, right? I mean, you had to really assume what, what kind of law did you do? Um, corporate law and technology law. So okay. it's it, uh, yeah, a lot of it's digging through um, kind of the not the BS necessarily, but but the noise. And trying to figure out commonalities and stuff like that—that's where I think it 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 uh, it helps. Um, is is really trying to boil things down step by step, logically trying to figure things out. Um, but again, that's just that's just uh, legal training in in general. You can do it without legal training too, just being logical minded, I guess. Yeah, gotcha. So for those of you listening at home, uh, if you don't know who Rob Friedman is. He is uh, the pitching ninja on Twitter, and what's your follower count at these days? I can check it, oh, but yeah, I could I could pull it up. It's ninety two thousand, something like that. Yeah. Let's see, well, ninety two thousand four hundred. Okay, okay. Well, and it's funny. I I pulled up an article yesterday, and uh, we're going to get into what Twitter does for you and how it's evolved, and because I think it's a fascinating thing. I mean. Um, and a little bit of background about Rob and myself, uh, you know, we don't really know each other. I think we both know of each other we've, for a long time, but I reached out to Rob recently asking if I could use one of his gifts in, uh, one of the, the things that I'm creating on my website and he happily agreed, but, uh, I also am still nervous about MLB licensing and all that <laughs> stuff. So I haven't used anything yet, but perusing through your free library, I mean, it's fascinating. So we, we chat a little bit and talk pitching and uh, we have a mutual acquaintance in Ben Brewster who's worked with your son a, a number of uh, a years and um, but we we got to talk about pitching and you know I listened to your podcast uh, episode with uh, John Gellner 
which was really good. And, and so if you don't know much about Rob, he's also a very knowledgeable baseball coach. You coach uh, high school in, in Georgia. What, what high school are you the head coach of? At Paideia. Okay. And uh, so, I mean, it's just one of those things where I kind of wanted to get behind the mask a little bit because I think everyone retweets Rob's gifts. And I've seen them kind of change over the last even couple of weeks, I feel like, where, you know, there was a, I liked your photo last night of uh, Severino. It was very yeah. well drawn. Um, oh, dude, I am really talented when it comes to, uh, I mean, that's one of my special talents. Mm-hmm. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah not I can tell. Well, I think you have a children's yeah. book in you somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, I just try to enjoy myself. Yeah, but it, it's one of those things where, you know, like uh, Rob retweeted one of my articles that I had wrote for uh, the website Medium. And that article was actually relatively popular for me because it was kind of a, a raw, like recounting of a story I had with a teammate. And so for me, as a guy who has like a, a, a very modest uh, online following, um, that one got around OK. But then Rob retweeted it and I got I think I made like five, five or six hundred reads of that article over maybe like a month period since I, I published it. And in the eight hours after you retweeted, it, I think it was read a thousand times. Wow. So I'm, it just shows the power of the Internet. And I'm like, wow, this is why social media is useful to someone. Like, it, it doesn't matter what you create, you know, say it's your book or you sell pottery or, you know, you it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, that that's meaningful to me because I write stuff like that to try to get people to read it because I, I right. write it for someone's benefit. And then you talk about leveraging a following to just help it get farther out. So I, I appreciate you doing that. Um, cause you didn't have to, but B, um, it's just really cool. So tell me about your Twitter following. Cause it's, it's massive and I see you everywhere on the web. I know the big leaguers interact with you, but how did that get started? Uh, it, all right. So it really got started because I had been coaching for a number of years and really was a kind of self-made coach. I mean, my history in baseball playing wise kind of sucks. I mean, I, I really was never very good, but I didn't want to, uh, when I got involved in coaching, I guess part of it was the teaching background I had um, in law. Part of it is just interacting with kids and wanting to be an influence on their lives and then realize that I, I mean, I've I've always loved pitching in general. Um, So I was really self-taught and continue to be self-taught. I mean, I dig as deep as I can into things when I like them. And so the process of learning all that, to help my son and the other kids I was coaching, I felt as my son's career was, you know, moving up and up the chain, I didn't know how much longer I'd be doing it, but I didn't think it was fair for all that information to kind of die with me and to die out and to not help other people along the journey. So my real start of it was to help parents and other players kind of navigate through all the resources out there. I mean, I have, I get obsessed about stuff and dig really, really deep in, into it and, and have a lot of resources, I mean, even financially buying stuff and trying things out. Um, I've gone through all that stuff and just trying to share my own experience so people, number one, don't make, must make fewer mistakes, but also are just able to navigate through the process and, uh, and help their kids or help their own career the best they can. And then help coaches also who don't have, I mean, a lot of people don't have the time that, or, the, or want to put in the effort. Um, or maybe they do want to put in the effort, but they want to be more directed with it. I've gone down so many different paths. 
um, that I think sharing that information is useful. And I think all of that information, I mean, it's like, I was just thinking about this today as we were getting ready for this podcast. I think most of the information out there, there's a lot of good stuff, but it may not be good stuff for you. It may be that, you know, certain things click for you and other things don't. And as a coach, um, I feel it's useful for me to have a toolbox of, of information that when I see a player that fits more within a certain mold, I'll use those tools. And when I see something, something else, I'll use other ones because most people are, most information out there is good, but it's only as good as the, as, as it fits for the player. Okay. So if I'm, I'm hearing you correctly, you kind of use a lot of your gifts and maybe the start is just giving mm-hmm. kids comps of someone to, Hey, Hey, you know, this is kind of what you look like to me, or maybe you could throw like this guy. Some of it is that, yeah, that's, that's so with the gifts specifically, some of it is to show sequences that uh, some of it's to show grips and, and, and spin axes of pitches to say, Hey, maybe you want to try this. Others is to show mechanics, how people may use their lower half the various ways to show there's not really one way of doing things. Um, and that maybe somebody's a better comp for you and other things are just because I think it's funny or, or to get people more interested in stuff. I think creating com- a community of pitchers allows people to ask questions, allows people to take pride in pitching, get interested in it and really try to be an ambassador of baseball in general to keep the sport, uh, interesting, lively, fun, all that stuff. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, as you mentioned, being an ambassador of the sport, I think that kind of segues me into your little snafu with major league baseball this past year, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, I caught wind of, and there was a hashtag going, you know, going around, say pitching ninja. And, um, can you tell me about what happened and how it got resolved? Sure. Um, uh, so yeah, it was a, a really minuscule dispute. I thought, uh, so a guy from barstool sports had, had retweeted one of my my gifts that I had I had changed. I'd slowed it up to just show the movement of a, a Noah Syndergaard pitch, and then uh, and then actually ended up, up passing it off, basically taking it and then it, it it passing it off as if it was his own, um, and saying, "Hey, look at this." And I was like, "Wait a second, you don't do that on on Twitter. You don't take somebody's gif and then and then tweet it out like it was your own. You retweet it if you if if it's you know something that you find interesting." At, or quote tweet whatever he just took it and 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 put it out there and when i called him on it um he started he snapped back and and said something about, well mlb really owns the rights to all this stuff and it it created a whole thing and i mean you're familiar with barstool mm-hmm. uh, and, and there's some really good folks there there's some you know and, and there's some folks that just take it it's like 4chan or something like that where you you create this uproar and they tried to they contacted the follow, his followers contacted uh, MLB, who then issued a takedown notice to Twitter. Twitter, everybody did what they were supposed to do. MLB, when they get that notice, sure, they 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 will say, "Hey, it's my it's my copyrighted material." Um, Twitter, you should take it down. Twitter, once it gets that notice, notice they don't really have much of a choice. They'll issue a take. They'll they'll take it down, and then uh, they shut down my account. Um, or suspended me for indefinite period of time. And what ended up happening, uh, that so I, I, I saw that like in the middle of the, in the, in the middle of the night, probably like one or two in the morning that, that had happened. I, my phone had been blowing up by people trying to contact me. And, uh, I was like, all right, well, I'm going back to sleep because <laughs> this, 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 will, this will work itself out. 
at some point. This is where having a legal background is helpful too, because I knew I wasn't, I'm not making money off. I make zero dollars um, off of off of my Twitter account. It's not what I try to do. It's I do it to to help people. I don't do it to make personal, uh, you know, to to help me. I do I do perfectly fine in my uh, in my business, and I don't really need uh, the, any money from that. So I, I I'm saying it's all fair use because I'm trying to teach people. I'm not trying to 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 profit off it. And the next day I wake up and I see there's a whole bunch of MLB players that were pissed off that my account got taken down. A whole bunch of people in uh, journalists. There were people in front office positions with major league baseball teams that were like, what the heck is going on here? Uh, so I was amazed at the amount of people that actually cared about it. Uh, there were a number of articles written, you know, Yahoo sports, Jeff Passan, um, Washington Post wrote something. So it, it just, at ESPN, outside the lines even had something on it. And I was like, really? That many people care about my account? That's amazing. Uh, so it ended up very quickly thereafter, you know, within a few days. You got wind that MLB wanted to, to, to talk to me. It, the conversation lasted about 10 minutes. They liked what I did. They thought it was good for the sport. And they just wanted to make sure that the stuff that I did was, was, uh, you know, owned by them, which I, I was totally fine with. And then they ended up making me, uh, kind of an independent contractor for them. So I, I entered into it, you know, not trying to, to make anything off of it. And then they ended up, you know, it, it ended up working really well. Hmm. So do you think, uh, like, and obviously I'm sure you're aware of all the, the game clips and I'm guilty of myself on, on Instagram, you know, guys take a little game clip and they'll kind of, you know, show something, teach something, talk about it, comment on it. Do you see, you know, you with your law background, do you see this being a thing where maybe Major League Baseball licenses people to use their content in that way? Or is it just going to continue to just kind of be like, hey, it, you know, it's it's fine on social media to do this or do that. But there's a lot of it on Instagram. There's not as much on Twitter. I think you're kind of a little more unique on Twitter. Yeah. Um, what do you what do you see about the use of uh, these clips and stuff and going forward? I think it's a gray area right now. I think it's a, a tough thing. They're struggling with it because they make so much money off of their uh, off of their interactive media presence that uh, I think they're at kind of a crossroads because my point is what we do, is even sharing clips like that, I think it makes it more interesting and more likely that somebody is going to to watch a game than less likely. I mean, they're not going to watch a game through my through through GIFs or through tiny clips. Yeah. Um, especially when we're using it to coach. I mean, we're not using it to, we're not posting a link so that people can get around blackout rules or anything like that. We are trying to help grow the game by making people interested in it, by helping players get better. Uh, and by sharing, you know, by everybody sitting around watching a game and they see something amazing happen and then we can all talk about it. That's what's really going on, not people stealing content to make it their own and monetize it. Now, if you're trying to pass it off and maybe put ads around or something like that, I, I can see why they might not be excited about that. But yeah. if you're doing it as a coach or doing it to help the game, it seems like you're we're all on the same team. I mean, MLB wants to grow the game. We want to grow the game. We want to help people get better. The players want to talk about pitches i mean you saw stroman talking last night during the playoff game um and actually they shared uh, tbs shared a 
quote, uh, a tweet that Stroman sent me during the game uh, on their broadcast. I mean, we all talk about this stuff. It's fun. It's, 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 it makes the game more interesting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's important for them to understand that. But you see how there's a gray line. I mean, it, it, yeah. it's really tough to tell uh, what the yeah. right thing to do. And I don't, I don't, I, I understand why they're struggling with it. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's actually what I was going to mention earlier was that I just cracked open an article about CC Sabathia yesterday. Yep. And uh, there was a tweet from you. <laughs> there was yep. a, or a quote from you, not a tweet, but a quote from you. And they said, you know, yeah, I was interviewed for that one. Yep. Yeah. So that's very cool. Um, so how has it evolved? Obviously, you had the, the, the hiccup in your back, your back online. Um, I assume Twitter said some goons to your house. Did you get tased or <laughs> you know, how do they take you down? But, yeah, uh, that, yeah, yeah, I definitely got tased. It was a painful experience. I, I, I picture like a again. like a white Goodman and his consigliere Michelle sort of coming up to your house and. <laughs> but uh, so, how has it grown over the years? Because obviously, you know, it's taken off, and I think I don't remember where it was when you got uh, temporarily shut down, but it seems like it exploded a lot since then too. Is that right? It did. Uh, yeah, it did, and 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 I think part of it was my own coming to grips with. I, you know, I'd always done it kind of, hey, you don't want to go too far because, you know, MLB might get kind of, uh, you know, you, if you go over the line, I don't blame MLB for getting pissed off. Part of my legal background is understanding yeah. copyright law and all that. And I, and I would never want to, to infringe on their business and to, you know, to, and I understand where that line kind of is. So I was always concerned about that, but then becoming a certified ninja by MLB uh, gave me a lot more room to to do what I like to do, which is you know help grow the game, explain stuff to people as best I can, uh, and and just create a, a, a fun experience for for people. So it grew because I felt I think a little more confident in putting stuff out there. And uh, and part of it was the notoriety notoriety around the whole thing. I think it because it became a pretty big deal, and and some people that I didn't even know followed me cared. Kelvin Herrera uh, was like the first person to tweet out something as a player, going, "No, this can't." And I, I don't even think he. I still don't think he officially follows me. Um, but hmm, he was just lurking. He put, yeah, and he put out. I mean, he was the first one to put out a tweet, which I was like, "Wow, that's." Uh, you know, it's, these guys put their necks on the line a little bit when they do something like that. And I, I appreciated it. Uh, and then a lot of other people, you know, followed up. So I think all that groundswell maybe made more people aware that this was out there. And, uh, you know, I think that's probably one reason why I grew, but also me just feeling more confident putting stuff out there. And MLB actually officially retweeting stuff that I do probably helps. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so tell me a little bit about your process. So obviously you put out a lot of those things. You put out a lot of content. Are you a couple weeks? Well, I'm sure obviously there's so much, uh, like yesterday you're tweeting games from yesterday or clips from yeah. yesterday's game. But I mean, do you have a process or are you like way ahead? Do you have anything like, you know, you, you get something from August and you'll put it out there in September or, um, how do you, how do you keep the content flowing without making your life crazy? Um, I make my life crazy for part of it. <laughs> there are definitely part. I was in Japan last week, and I was tweeting from Japan, which is why that some of those drawings start. The drawing started because I was on the plane, and I was I was like, I can't freaking stream the game, and I want to. And I saw that that uh, I think Tuki Toussaint threw a, a, a curveball, and everybody's like, Can you? 
can you gift that? I'm like, I'm freaking on a plane and I can't, but I'll draw it. And so I ended up, uh, yeah, I ended up my crappy drawings. Uh, so I put that out there, but yeah, it's part of it is making your life crazy. I mean, there's definitely times where, uh, you know, I'm spending way too much time looking at, at, at some of the stuff, but usually in the morning I'll, I'll look at games and try to find, pictures that I'm interested in that I think are useful for people to see or that might have done had a really good game or you know that that have interesting pitches that I think would be useful for unique type of pitches like Trevor Richards with his with his changeup I think is a fun uh, illustration of a one way to throw a, a ridiculously pronated changeup uh, so I'll look at his games and try to find a close up of a gif and so uh, of a video and slow it down but there's so there's there's pictures I follow. Then there's just looking at, at individual games. I watch a lot of games, but in the off season, I typically will go through historical games and try to find different angles of things or, or pictures that people might've forgotten about or pictures that people are interested in uh, and, and just find out what made them tick. The other thing I do is look at mental game stuff because I think so much of this game is, is, not all of it is, is a physical thing. Like you can, you can have the same stuff as a pitcher, but not be as good as the pitcher as, as the pitcher. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm, and you know that more than anybody. I mean, it's, it's, it's not all about, about the physical part of the game. So much of it is, is mental. And so much of the mental game is unique to that individual. I mean, some people can go by and be really confident and cocky and competitive. You could have a Max Scherzer mentality or you can have a Corey Kluber mentality. They're both great pitchers, but they're not the same at all in mountain demeanor. And, uh, and Kluber, does, Kluber just has to calm himself down and be almost robotic, and Scherzer wants to tear your head off. Uh, and different people are different ways. I mean, I might have been – my son probably tends more to be a Corey Kluber type, even though at, at first as a young kid, I was like, you know, Max Scherzer is a great guy to model yourself after. And it would ramp him up too much that he couldn't control himself. Uh, so he had to slow the game down and just be dispassionate about I'm going to execute this pitch. So there's mental game stuff. There's grip stuff. There's mechanic stuff. There's workout stuff. There's, there's just, uh, sequencing deception. There's so many parts of the game that, you know, make up a pitcher that I feel like I want to share and that maybe somebody just takes one thing from what I put out there and it makes a difference in, in, in their career or their son's career, or they can coach better because of it. Um, that's really what drives me to do all this stuff. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think it's very astute because, you know, I went on a, uh, I'm, I'm kind of in a little bubble out here in central Illinois and, you know, I run my Academy with a great business partner, but, uh, you know, I'm a very Kluber type kind of guy at least uh -huh. like outwardly like you won't see much you'd never see much emotion from me at all on the field and even as a coach I was a head coach for the first time last year one of our academy teams and you know for a 14u team like I'm not going to yell at our kids I'm not going to freak out on them after the game like I'm not super up and down because they're 14 like I know there's a percentage of pop-ups they're just going to drop you know like there's a percentage of this right that they're just not going to do well and that doesn't bother me at all uh, but you know, with that, like, so I, I coached with some other coaches on a trip to the Dominican Republic in August. And these two guys are very different than me. They're also just very, well, I shouldn't say also, cause I don't know if I'm a great coach. That's not for me to decide, but they were, they were great coaches, but they were also very much more high energy than I was. Mm -hmm. They talked to the kids in a different way. So they had this like different dynamic between the three of us where I was sort of like the, the calm, 
not calm, but just like the stoic watching, observing, you know, and kind of like the low energy, I don't know, professional kind of demeanor. And not to say they were in, unprofessional, it's not how I mean it, but they right. were much more like get the kids going, very positive, also negative when they needed to be negative, but just like they they reached a percentage of the kids. And so of these like 12 or 13, I'd say like four or five of them like really kind of bonded with me. Like they saw themselves in me a little bit. And then the other third with one of the coaches and the other third with the other. And so just for me looking around, I'm like, I don't think I could reach some of these kids in the same way that he could just because of our different personalities. You know, like he's going to gravitate to that guy because he likes the positivity or he likes, you know, getting pumped up from him or whatever it is. And and some other guys who are a little maybe like clue bots, little <laughs> mini clue bots, um, maybe get some of that kind of calming, like whatever energy from me. So I think you're definitely right. There's just a lot of ways to do it. It's almost like trying on different hats and different shoes just to see which one fits because you just yep. don't know. Exactly. And I, to your point, um, I think that people can see through if you're faking it too. You've got to be yourself as a coach. So if, if, you're, if you're coaching and you're trying to be somebody else, um, it's just like if, you're being, if someone's a sales guy and they're trying to sell you in a way that's not natural – or if you're trying to be, you know, be a friend to somebody and you're acting like somebody that you're not, I think it becomes really, really obvious. And especially when you're coaching kids, um, I think the best thing you can be, the number one thing as a coach is to, is to make people somehow enjoy the game and be themselves. And, and, and uh, then they'll practice more. Then you can give them a roadmap to, be, to get better. But until they enjoy the game, until they want to invest that, it's useless. You can give them all the greatest information in the world. They ain't going to do anything with it if they don't enjoy it. So understanding how to reach each kid, um, there are different personalities or different, uh, you know, things that click with them. So especially having coaches that are different is useful, but also you being able to access uh, different parts of your personality or different commonalities with these, uh, with, with the players they're coaching, I think is really important. So uh, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. So what uh you so you obviously observe tons of pitchers and obviously you know, as you're creating these gifts, um, what have you seen change in the last? So number one, how long have you been doing this? Like officially, when was when was follower number one? Oh, uh, well, it's probably like five years ago, maybe. Okay, so what do you, what what trends have you seen from your your vantage point there, in like what pitchers throw their stuff, like all that? Give me your perspective. I I think they're getting a little bit uh a little bit smarter in understanding why pitches do what they, what they do. And people are focusing more maybe on things like spin access, uh, stuff like that, sequencing. Um, I think some of the overlay stuff that I'm doing is make, making people understand. I've, I've just had a uh, pretty well-known professional pitcher, a major league pitcher re reach out to me going, dude, I learned so much in the last year about sequencing. Can you, do this for one of my pitches just between you and me about this at bat that I think I did really well in and, and I did it for him. And it, it was just neat to see that, you know, and this happens decently regularly that either pitch uh, MLB guys are trying to learn new pitches or, or see what pitches work well with each other. And then they'll be, they'll, they'll reach out to me, which is weird because I would have thought they'd be able to do it in their own clubhouses or that, that the coaches would do it for them. But I, I think what happens is they don't want to ask, and coaches are so busy doing other things that even the video guys are doing other things 
So they reach out to me and I'm more than happy to help any. That's one of the reasons why I do all this stuff. So um, it's always, it's cool to see. So I think specific uh, pitchers are trying to learn. uh, I think pitchers that are not major league pitchers are trying to learn that type of stuff from MLB guys, really being a little more sophisticated in what they're trying to, uh, to pick up from it. But I think MLB guys are now, trying to really figure out why does what you know hey why is max scherzer able to do this stuff and i'm not what what is he doing mixing up pitches um how's he getting people out that i'm not doing yeah and i thought kyle freeland was uh he was great obviously for the rockies the other day and there was a quick stat cast i don't know if it was stat cast but a quick stat they flashed up on the screen which said that he was on the corners of the plate 30 percent of the time i think yeah one corner or the other and like, and then as you start to watch, you're like, oh yeah, like he really is just like crushing the outer third, inner third. And yep. you got like Dallas Keuchel, same way. Yep. Uh, you know, and it's, it, it is tough sometimes to like re backwards manufacture, like what you do well and what you don't. And from a pitcher's perspective, I know that, you know, on the, on the rare, cause I was a plebeian, the rare, the rare times I'd be on TV, you know, playing in Sugarland or somewhere like that, where they had like a broadcast. I would just completely misremember pitches where I'd be like, oh, man, how do you hit that so well? Like, that was on the outer corner. It's like, nah, you go to the tape. <laughs> right. It was like outer half at best. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. And, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. I put something on my Instagram the other day of a fastball cutter sequence that I threw. And I, I just I put that up and there was a little blurb about it. But it was it was distinct for me because I knew the reporter, Mike Ashmore. He's a great guy. He uh, took that video and he sent it to me after that game. And I was just learning that pitch, the cutter, which to me is the hardest pitch ever. It's so hard to learn because you can't usually see it move. Right. And I remember that at bat because I threw fastball to get ahead, and then I threw the guy a cutter, and I couldn't see either of them move. They both looked dead straight to me, but when I went to the tape, I could see the cutter cut. Like, it's very different on tape. It's like, oh, it is doing its thing. So I think there's definitely something to be said where, you know, like especially guys like Scherzer, like it looks like his head just comes way off the ball as he's throwing a lot of guys their eyes do yeah yep so you wonder how much they how much they pick up in that last 30 percent of its flight or 25 percent of its flight and if they really you know can if their memory matches what actually the you know the video caught totally right and i i think some of the other stuff is you don't know how much of that head movement or or whatever adds to deception too when you have adele and the who really falls off or or chris davinsky who falls off some some coaches will fix that and say, I'm going to fix this guy. I'm going to fix this flaw, I see. Number one, you don't know if that's actually going to if, – if, if it'll affect his velocity. If he does, if, you know, strides straighter to plate, how is that going to affect everything else in a butterfly effect type thing? But also, how is the falling off affecting his deception on his change – on Davinsky's changeup, the fact he falls off? Is that is that messing with pitchers? Kyle Freeland with his, his uh, leg hang – is that affecting batters being able to time him even more so than being able to hit, you know, corners. If I hit corners versus him hitting corners, am I going to get the same results because he Mm -hmm. goes about it different ways? And I don't think we measure deception very well. So we can, we can go out and look at stat cast stuff, which is awesome. But does that tell the absolute full picture? And I don't, I don't think it does. I mean, I think Batanzas number one being six, eight and two, having a really unique way of, of falling off and, and head movement or Scherzer having a lot of head movement. Uh, does that mess with a batter's perception and Scherzer's arm slot and sure. I mean, 
just the and and just the intimidation factor of knowing this guy wants to tear my freaking head off and he's going to shove it down my throat. Does that affect some batters? Do they start double? Do they start thinking now their approach of you know what is he trying to do to me? And you become defensive. Um, I know Pedro talks about that all the time, where he would get he knows when he's in a batter's head, and he's like, I got him if if they look at all defensive on any uh, on this pitch. Um, you can pick it up. So you were talking about earlier just being able to, you know, what what makes you a good pitcher. But part of it is 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 reading the batter, and some of these guys do it better. And that's not a uh, something you can measure necessarily in in in, in stat cast. You can't measure that in spin rate stuff. It's the sophistication and learning stuff throughout years of pitching. Um, you know what the batter's plan and what he's trying to do. He looked bad on this pitch maybe I'm going to go back to that later in the game, but I'm not going to follow it up with another pitch you know, with this. I'm not going to follow, you know, one, two, the same pitch that he looked bad on because I need to get deeper in the count. You just don't, there's, there's, there's so much of a game aspect of it that we love to boil it down in the stats. I think some of the story is, is outside of the, the, the statistics you can look at too. the, uh, you know, the measurables. Yeah, and I think the big leagues is a tough. Uh, it's a tough environment to teach younger level players because, for example, like you could say, all right, well, you know, why would you throw three straight fastballs on the outer corner, or you know, why wouldn't you tunnel? You know, why wouldn't you go in and out or hard than soft or whatever? Uh, but sometimes, especially, and this is less prevalent at the big leagues because guys are so good. But I know I'd faced hitters in in my minor league career where I would just throw him the same pitch five times in a row. Like <laughs> right. Sometimes it was an inside fastball. Cause like I can just tell his approach is kind of like opposite field, like see the ball deep. He doesn't have a lot of pop. He's kind of uh, maybe a little bit slow to the ball. He's got a little bit of a long swing and his bat path is, you know, whatever. And I just feel like I can throw inside fastballs until he's out, <laughs> you yep. know, and, and that sometimes that's okay. But obviously that is tougher, the higher level you go. And, uh, just like all that mixing pitches and stuff like sometimes it's knowing like I don't need to mix at all. I just need to do this over and over and over and I'll I'll get this guy. And some of it is so you, you have someone like Chris Sale who probably isn't the way I would. I mean, like personally would approach a game, but he's pretty darn good and he doesn't think about it at all. He thinks about right. he lets the catcher call the game and he just says, you know what, if I think about shaking a catcher off, that means I don't have faith in that pitch. And that means I think my fastball can't get by this guy if the catcher calls a fastball. And I don't want to think like that. I'm going to throw the best fastball I can at that moment um, in the spot that it's supposed to be. And, you know, I'm going to just beat him with, with the pitch the catcher called. Uh, Burley was like that, too. So you, you can be successful with a lot of approaches. I think you can be a thinking man's pitcher. You can be a total robot. You can be a, uh, you know, a, it just really – it's going to depend on how you approach the game and the level that you're at. You're right. I mean, you know, it, am I going to tell an eight-year-old to tunnel pitches? Heck no. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's and useful. it's funny that because you're absolutely right. As soon as you were saying sale, like I remember Burley because he's one of the guys, his big thing was going so fast between pitches. Like he wanted to get the ball and throw it, and he didn't. He didn't call his own pitches. He just throw whatever they put down, and you can, you're like, when you talk about Chris Sale doing it that way, you go, oh, well, that's because he throws 97 with a weird right. arm slot, with deception, with the world's best slider. But then Mark Burley was doing that throw in 85, so that like throws that theory out the window. Right. And then you're like, well, how does that, how does that work? How do I reconcile that? 
Uh, yeah, and, yeah. I, I think that it's important to understand, and, and this is one reason why, I mean, actually one of the main reasons why I do what I do, which is, is I try to get different views. I don't, I'm not trying to sell anybody on any one view of the game. I don't think there is one way of doing it. I think there's multiple ways of doing it. I think you can be a command pitcher and be successful. I think you can be a velocity pitcher and be successful. I think you need to have, I mean, ideally you have both and there's no reason why you, why you shouldn't, you know, what, which comes first. Yeah. I mean, I think it, 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 it's going to depend on the pitcher, but I think generally you want to have the, you know, the, the, the intent before you, you know, before you develop command, but not necessarily with everybody. Um, I think there's so many different ways of going about it. Um, different grips that work for different people because it depends on your arm shot slot, your hand size, your, your, the way you're releasing it, your, your overall mechanics, what other pitches you have. Um, just relying on, Hey, that pitch moved a lot. Isn't necessarily the best thing to do either. Cause you don't know how it fits within your portfolio of pitches um, and how you're really going to attack hitters. It's it, there's so much more to the game than I think uh, most folks get in to which is why you have to know it why i think it's important to 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 share as much as you can about different approaches and let people figure some of this stuff out for themselves what works well for them and give them some direction i mean i think as a coach then you 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 have to have that toolbox where you then say oh well this pitcher he does this stuff well and i'm gonna try to shape him more in this way or i'm gonna challenge him more in this way uh i think being a student of the game helps a lot in in that aspect and it's fun. Yeah, for sure. So tell, talk a little bit about how you, I mean, the internet is changing, right? It's changing everything. And my, uh, my most recent podcast, I just kind of talked about some of the stuff I'm doing personally and why. And uh, like you see, like obviously you have a big following and, uh, you know, you're respected uh, internet pitching mind. And with coaches out there trying to move up the ladder and maybe college baseball, obviously that's it's tough to get a d1 head coaching job right you got to pay your dues you got to yep. start somewhere at the bottom and work your way up and it's uh you're scrapping and i know recently I've, and i mentioned this before as well that you know uh, matt lyle who has a another massive internet following um, yep. great great hitting mind seems like a great guy i don't know him um but i know he just took the job as mizzou's hitting coach and so you wonder as coaches are sitting in their office every year doing the shuffle, like, all right, hey, here we got, you know, we got a whole new staff here at um, Baseball University. Uh, what can we do to make our program better? Who's the best guy we can get? And you look at someone, okay, well, I, I read Matt's, uh, Matt Lyle's tweets and I watch his videos every day. I, I watch Rod Friedman's uh, pitching stuff every day. Uh, can we get him? You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so do you, how much do you feel like the internet is changing the coaching world and is it imperative that other people start doing maybe something like you're doing? I think I've seen people be successful doing that. I don't think it's a necessity that you that you do it. Some of it's you know you can do it the old-fashioned way, which is just be a, you know, a a good coach in the real world, which I think is important. I think you know you can do it a variety of, of different ways. I think it's important to reach out to to younger players by having a social media presence. Um, and making the game entertaining and having them feel free to ask you questions and stuff like that, whether it's going to help you move up the ladder. I think it helps a little bit uh, having, having that because, uh, you know, more people can, can see you. I mean, the, in social media, you, when you're having a big following, you, you're having coaches and other folks that see the way you think. You're being transparent with it. They can say, hey, I like the way this guy 
thinks I want to hire him. So sure, that's, I mean, I think it's important to do that, but I think it's important for all of us just as stewards of the game to share uh, whatever we can on social media to help the next generation of, of players in general. Um, you know, I, I get asked questions every day by players. Uh, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And it's all because of the, uh, because of social media and I love doing it. I want, I want, I don't care if it's my kid or someone else's kid. I want everybody to, if you're, if you want to put in time uh, to get better at the game, I'm going to help you get better at the game. And I think most of us are like that. I think most coaches uh, want to help. And I think the best way you can help people, uh, the way you can reach the most folks is probably social media right now. I mean, you can, you can help a lot of people with, with it amplifies your voice basically. So it helps Mm -hmm. you network, but, it also helps you help the most people. So it's a, it's kind of a double win type thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's talk about your son a little bit, his journey, because I've heard he's an exceptional ball player. Obviously he plays uh, Georgia Tech. So tell me a little bit about his, his path and his development. Sure. Um, so we'd started, I mean, he started as a, as a, well, at, at two started playing baseball. So from, you know, a, a young age and, also played other sports. I mean, he played, he played basketball uh, growing up, uh, which I think is important just from an athletic standpoint, just being able to be a, uh, a well-rounded athlete because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, Mm -hmm. first be a very good, be a good student and be a good person. But if athletics are interesting to you, you you might as well, you can, a lot of that stuff transfers just being a, being an overall athlete and not pitching holding yourself at a young age. So that was one of my overall philosophies. But he grew up, uh, I mean, a shortstop pitcher type for most of his youth. Uh, and and I got drug into uh, to coaching at a, I mean, coaching at a very young age with him. So I was coaching teams from like six years old, five years old and up because I just like kids. I mean, I want to feel like it's one way that I can give back to the community is, is helping kids uh, and being there for them everybody not just my own kid and then it got as he got older and older uh you know he's he still can hit he just doesn't like it as much uh <laughs> and in his mind yeah he, he he uh like one of his best things last year was hitting a he had a monster walk walk off home run bat flipped it ran around the i tweeted it out um and, and uh so that was like a highlight of of, of his year last year and but He's, you know, in the end, I think he's more of a, I mean, a pitching. He'd rather be dictating the pace than being reacting to the pace of of, of a game. So I think that's why pitching appeals to him. He uh, he's he's hit ninety five in in you know off the mound. He has, but his big thing is he spins the ball really well. Um, so he's he loves. Uh, he's got a, a, a wicked changeup and a and a, and a wicked curveball and those are two things that he kind of lives on in addition to uh to velocity so all of that stuff um but he's his journey has helped me get better as far as a a twitter presence and as a coach because you want to help your kid out and you keep learning and learning you know different ways of doing it and as i do i don't just keep it for myself or keep it to him because i think it's just kind of it's kind of selfish uh, I share it with all my other players that, that I coach as well as people on the, on, on Twitter. So having a player go through it, number one, it shows you that you can do, you know, I, I think one, 
either you did it yourself or you helped coach a player that, you know, through the, through the development process. Um, I think it just, it adds some credence that you kind of know what you're doing, but it also, uh, it also helps you have a, a, a real live test tube type thing where you can test out your theories um, on things. And we did things that didn't work. Um, you mentioned Ben Brewster, but I know he did it as a player, did a lot of things, you know, a lot of different paths. I ran into him years ago on, on, uh, on message boards and his journey was a lot like mine as a coach. Basically you run down a bunch of paths, you take different things from it and you keep learning. I think all of us have done, I think you've, you've done it as well. It, it's not having a one way of doing it mentality. It's trying to, to learn a bunch of different ways and making mistakes and not being afraid to make mistakes. Um, and having a kid go through it, taking those little bits and pieces and then sharing it with other folks, I think is important. Mental game stuff. I mean, he's gone on and off about, you know, confidence, no confidence, like every other pitcher. Um, mm-hmm. Working with Alan Jager one-on-one uh, was, was awesome. Um, as I know you've done as well, but he, uh, just another great resource. I think part of the great thing about being where I am on Twitter is having access to fantastic other coaching minds. And I'm very open-minded because I don't, you know, I don't think there's any one answer. I love to hear different views and everybody, you know, everybody's willing to share. So I think networking, um, asking questions and having a great community of, of coaches to, to take from uh, who are willing to help is is just fantastic that's a great thing about social media great thing about having a kid in the game uh, and you know i think i think it's uh it's been a great journey and it still keeps going yeah no that's exciting and it's a it's a heck of a school he's playing for and you know it's it's interesting growing up in this economy or not economy but this time of uh this this portion of history i guess because for me as a player you know and i've been on the web since 2008 when i started my website and started just blogging and just putting out stuff that i thought i knew about baseball and strength training or whatever and uh it's just changed so much in those 10 years and i remember people you know there's always the trolls and the negative people and the haters on the web but people picked at me writing about pitching mechanics because i had tommy john and then when i had it a second time and, you know, like back in the day, they're like, well, why don't you just fix your mechanics the first time? And I'm like, I don't know if you know what like part of the of history I grew up in. Like, I didn't know anything about pitching mechanics. Right. I had a, I had like four pitching lessons in my whole life. Went to college. We didn't have a pitching coach and we had great coaches that cared about us. But I didn't have a whole lot of guidance in college. And I kind of pieced it together myself on the Web. But there was very little on the Web even then. And you had to read like a book you know, like a Tom Mouse book and how much can you figure out from a, a still photo of a picture? You know what right. I mean? Like there just wasn't that stuff out there. And that's just, it's too simplistic anyway to say, oh, I just fix my mechanics and then I'll never get hurt. That, that's just not how pitching works. It does. It's not how it works. It, right. it doesn't. And, uh, but nowadays there's so much stuff. It's just so much where it can probably be overwhelming at times, I'd imagine too. Yeah, and that's actually kind of, again, why I do what I do, which is I have the time and effort and, and energy um, and history like you did. I mean, I've been on you know, on various baseball communities probably since 2006, maybe, um, sharing ideas, but also listening. And I've dealt with trolls. I've challenged people as not a troll, but I'll, I'll ask questions because that's the legal background again is 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 I'm not going to just believe it because you said it. I'm going to go research it and double check it and, 
And yeah, I, I, again, I think most people that are, are, are selling stuff online, actually, they're either doing it because it helped them personally, uh, what they're trying to teach. I don't think people are generally in it to, to rip people off. I think they're doing it for good reasons because they've seen success for it and they honestly believe that what they're doing helps, but it may not help another person who has different problems. So you, your job is there's so much information out there to sort through and figure out what your issue is specifically um, and try to fix it. But the other thing is navigating the whole troll thing is, I mean, I think right now I'm kind of risen above it. And if somebody trolls me, I just out them and you know say, hey, there's this guy being a jerk. What do you think? And they, I actually had someone delete their account because I did that, which I was really <laughs> impressed with. Um, so, I think I yeah. saw one of those recently, actually, on yours. And I, yeah. was it someone like uh, picking on like a, a young boy or yes. girl, like who had pretty good throwing mechanics? It was picking on that girl that has great throwing mechanics. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And I tweeted that out. I was like, dude, I'll give you, I, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you can throw, if you throw better than yeah. she does. And, and he ended up deleting his account. I was like, that's perfect because those are the guys that don't deserve to be online anyway. There's no reason for that. Um, yeah. We should all be a community where we help people. I'm, I'm okay with being challenged. But I'm not okay with people being a jerk, especially to a nine-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had one. I had one recently. I uh, I posted a video of one of our kids who he had a growth plate injury, and he's mm -hmm. come back. And just in coming back, he's completely healthy. He's been healthy for the, this whole 2018 year, but his velocity just like hasn't come back. And sometimes that can be really enigmatic and tough to figure out. Like you feel like you're throwing the same way but you're not, especially when you just get like spit out right into high school baseball or, or summer baseball where you're just going to go pitch with what you've got right now. Like you can't really like take time to fix it at the moment. Right. And uh, it can just be a really draining, like mentally frustrating and just like make you feel very desolate. And like, what, what, what do I do? How do I fix this? Like I'm not myself. I mean, that's how a lot of guys careers end. Like there's so many guys that you don't hear about who got Tommy John or got labrum surgery. They go back to the minor leagues they're four miles per hour slower. They can't get guys out the same way and they can't figure out why they're four miles per hour slower. You know, right. their careers just quietly end. So I post this thing on Instagram and it was more just like about the journey and how it can be frustrating, but that he and this, he and myself and this kid were starting to kind of like figure it out. Like he'd made some progress recently. And we were excited about it. And I get a, a comment and the guy's like, well, I, I, I jump into mechanics and I look at this and I look at that and I look at this there's just a lot more to it. Just saying. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, you could have phrased that differently. Like, I don't know. Did you have to like say that you're a better coach than me right now? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, I think people just do feel like that. I mean, I think they, there's a lot of people that, that wouldn't say it to your face that way, but they would say it online. The mimeter. And, uh, and, and my thing is, I, I think, we don't, nobody learns from, from the whole being a jerk and saying my way is the right way, your way is the wrong way. You learn from actually taking a step back and, and being people. I mean, just treat people like people and just ask questions because you're not dumb. You have reasons for doing what you're going to do and saying, hey, maybe did you think about this or why are you doing it this way? And maybe you're 100% right and I can learn from you. But when you put up a wall where you're being a, you know, a jackass, you're not really listening. And I think mm -hmm. we can all get better from listening more and, uh, you know, and, and, and talking at people less, talking with people a little bit more.
Yeah, absolutely. And we had a back and forth on Instagram the other day about cutters. And uh, I at least appreciate like the two guys who had a different view than myself about cutters. Like we didn't come to an agreement, but each of our comments were, I disagree and here's why. And that's completely fine. Like we don't have to, just because I put some out there, you don't have to agree with it. But when you say you disagree, completely, totally fine, right? You just, we didn't insult each other. We didn't start throwing punches and like, that's okay. It's just an interesting world being, I think that's probably why a lot of people struggle to put themselves out there on the web because it, it I mean, it like can be something you definitely ruminate. I'm sure you've kind of had these days where you're like, everyone's picking on me. Like I'm just trying to be <laughs> helpful. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I, I think back in the day, probably, uh, I think when I was kind of relatively early on, it's mostly the whole, uh, you know, the pain guy uh, debate mm-hmm. back in the day where you have a guy who just won't listen to another. He has his mind made up one way of doing things and, and you can point out a million different things. And, and, and it just was. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not engaging in this anymore. It's not going anywhere. And, and, and when yeah. you debate like that, eventually people can't tell if you're the asshole or if the other guy's the asshole, um, if you hang around assholes. So it's, it's, you might as well just move beyond it. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's not my personality anyway. I don't like, I, I challenge people to find out what they really believe and to learn. I don't challenge them to belittle them. Um, but when someone already has their mind totally made up and they're never going to listen to you, then you know, just, just move on. And life's too short to, to keep going at it. And, you know, and who's to say, I, I don't think he's right about stuff, but, but, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's not, but he's got his view and, you know, I'm not, it, he can live his life the way he wants to with uh, coaching, whatever he's going to do. Yep. Fair enough. So as we wrap up, um, cause I want to be sensitive of your time. I need, I need to know, do you have a thesaurus by you all day? I mean, <laughs> filthy, disgusting. Give me your, give me your favorite uh, adjectives for some of these pitches that Blake Trinan and some of these guys are throwing. Uh, inhumane, I, I kind of like. Um, I think I used discombobulated for Dylan Batanza's pitch against Mookie Betts, and then Betts ended up going yard the next at bat, which uh, – It's kind of good. Yeah. <laughs> I like Mookie Betts. I'm never going to – I mean, he's generally not rooting for hitters, but it's hard to root against that guy. Um, yeah. yeah, I just uh, – a lot of it is making it up as you go along. You know, obviously I can't have a different – different adjective for every pitch but some of it is i look at something and i'm like most of it's making things up on the spot or and i don't have a, a an agenda a lot of times if, if i see something and, and describe it a certain way it's probably because it hit me that way at that point in time so uh you know some of the things that i see are just amazing i mean that's the thing i think most people are taking from it is it's freaking hard as hell to be a hitter in the major leagues. And, and if that's the only thing you get out of what I do, then that's great. Then I don't have to listen to people when I go to a baseball game go, why did he swing at that? I'm like, because the pitch was perfectly tunneled with another pitch and he couldn't freaking pick it up. Or the pitch is ridiculously nasty and nobody's going to be able to hit it. But I'm, I get tired of that. Why did he swing at that and just throw strikes or two of the things that uh, – yeah. That just drive me crazy. Like you step in the box or step on the bump and you try to do it. Yeah. And it's, I think it's even more obvious just because guys have so much more movement now than it seems like they did even just a couple years ago. So much more, especially like the arm side movement that you see from the sinker guys and the changeups. Yep. Because the changeup is very much evolving. 
But I remember I went to an open an open major league tryout back in the oh god just right after I graduated from college, like two thousand nine or something. And you see three hundred guys there, and some were in their softball uniforms, and you don't think they're just there just to like they like, oh let's just go have a day at the park like you imagine there's like some part of their brain that thinks they could actually like earn a contract with a major league team. And, and then I just, I wonder, I'm like, do these people watch TV and they see, you know, name a pitcher throws a curveball right down the middle of the plate and the guy swings and misses or takes it. And he's like, he should have destroyed that. I would have destroyed that. Right. Cause he hits 350 for his local beer league. And you just wonder if people really have any legitimate perspective on how sharp, like a big league breaking ball is because they're like terrifying. I mean, they're, they look nothing like that loopy thing you see on TV. They're crazy. Yeah, and, it, uh, exactly. I don't think, I mean, I think a lot of people don't, I think sometimes, I mean, some things are better right now. Not only are pitchers, uh, you know, they're obviously throwing harder. They all, they get better movement. People understand how to coach that stuff now, as opposed to just trial and error. A lot of it is, is you can figure it out, but also camera angles are better, I think too. So you're able to see really what's going on as opposed to back in the day where you had off-center ca- camera angles and crappy lens and, and not HD where you, you know, you couldn't really tell, you know, what, what Nolan Ryan's pitches look like or Tom Seaver's pitches look like back in the day or Steve Carlton. You just knew that they were getting results. But now I think you can see a lot more of, and, you know, especially in certain stadiums, how the ball's really moving. And then you have, uh, whole stat cast stuff knowing how many inches how many inches pitches moved and their spin rates and and stuff it's and how and and you know it was a, a rare game back in the day where you'd have even a radar gun you know, so you didn't know how hard these guys were throwing and yeah. now now you do so uh i think it's a little it's a it's a little more daunting when you see some of these guys like how amazing what they do is and i think it actually helps the game uh because i part of it I think baseball, when everybody thought hey, anybody can do it, 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 maybe it's more boring. When you see things that are amazing, that you know, you're watching a pitcher do something that that is is ridiculous or battered or or Aaron Judge hit a ball, you know, 470 feet. Um, you're like, wow, this I'd pay money to go see that, or I'd, I I want to watch this because I might see something I've never seen before. And I think that stuff helps the game. Uh, and uh, I just wish fans would, and, and coaches and dads, it's mostly, you know, dads in the stands yelling at their kids, why did you swing at that? Why did you know, throw strikes type stuff? Yeah. Just want to wring somebody's neck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like you could be an influencer. You could, uh, it's funny how slang changes. Like, I mean, there's guys throwing fuzz, he's throwing fuel, he's throwing Parmesan pellets. Like, you can be the guy. You can make the new terms. You can pave the new way for all these uh you know, just the way baseball lingo gets passed on. You could have the Rob Freeman book of baseball lingo. Yeah, they're just funny because there are a couple of things that, that have actually uh, – that people will pick up on. They take on a life of their own. Um, one of them, unfortunately, was my nickname for Blake Trinan, which he hates, uh, the witch, <laughs> which I think is a great nickname. I mean, I think <laughs> – He is a witch. Yeah. He's yeah, yeah. I mean, up to it. Look, dude. That's not normal. Anything you do, it's not normal. Yeah, once I, but I had people re, uh, around him reach out to me going, you know, he hates this because of religious stuff, and he wants to give credit to God about what he did. I'm like, I, I ain't arguing with you, man. I'm not going to yeah. offend you. Uh, I just think what you're doing is amazing, and, and uh, you know, that's, that's obviously all the term, term meant. 
But uh, there was an MLB.com article on it, why he developed, why I called him the witch and not interviewing me, but interviewing him about it. And later on, uh, I think uh, Cressy asked him about it. It's like, yeah, I, I hate that nickname. I don't know why anybody's writing articles on that stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, dude. I don't know, man. I, I, don't I, throw ninety-eight mile per hour sinkers, and then you won't. Oh yeah, I mean, it's if you don't like it, play less good. Right, exactly. If you don't like it, then just don't don't be that good. Totally. Yeah, I watched Zach. Uh, I watched Zach Britton pitch at Fenway from, and I was like way out in center field, and you know he, he and Trina are kind of in a special category of people, along with like Rivera and Kenley Jansen, where like their ball just doesn't make sense. Like they right. just throw ninety-six mile per hour cutter or sinker and. And just from that that vantage point in dead center, just as soon as the ball left Britain's hand, it was like almost like it was a, a tennis forehand. Like as soon as it left his hand, it's just zooming right back down to the ground. Right. And it just it there's just like it doesn't make sense. And it really like he needs to just own up to being a witch. Like I'm sorry because <laughs> it it's not normal, and it's amazing, but it's not normal. Yeah, there was a point where I think I, I saw one of his sliders that did the same thing, and I was like, I can throw a ball standing up i think i said that in a, in a in a tweet i can literally have a baseball in my hand and throw it to the ground and his ball would hit the ground before mine and he <laughs> was throwing it 60 feet six inches and i'm throwing it you know the five foot ten it's crazy this world is uh baseball world's changing well rob hey thanks for being on the show this is a really fun conversation and uh keep doing what you're doing i mean i think everyone's just like captively watching you're like your own little highlight reel <laughs> you know, I think you'll wake up and check out what you've got going on. So it's very cool, and I, I appreciate what you're doing for the well, game. It's, it's great to hear, and thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that wraps it up for this week. What a great episode. What a great talk. Rob's a terrific guy, and what he's doing is really, I think, spotlight a lot of the changes in baseball and the, uh, you know, the way pitchers are evolving and the way stuff and the standard is uh, is evolving in pro baseball. So be sure to check out, if this is your first time listening to the show, check out the archives. We've got... Other great interviews with former players, uh, some of my own stories, and just lots of different monologues, topics, talks about pitching, baseball, and everything in between.